How's everybody doing? Okay. I'm so glad you got it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that's great. I'm so glad you have energy. This was a really long week. Anybody else experience this as a really, really long week? Uh, for me, it wasn't necessarily a bad week. It just felt like the, the last time we did this was six months ago. This is kind of how it felt. So I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to be with you. So glad those of you who are joining us, our online community, we're so thrilled you're here with us as well. So we're in this series on the Beatitudes. We're exploring these announcements of blessing. And of course, our definition of blessing throughout this series has been that God is with you. God is on your side. To be blessed means that you are, have God's witness, that God is with you. And so these are announcements of God's witness for people. And the first four Beatitudes, we just went through the first, we just ended the fourth of the, the first four last week. The first four Beatitudes contain sort of uh, when the kingdom comes in fullness on earth as it is in heaven. There is a reversal of circumstances for people in really rough circumstances. They're in rough situations. So the poor in spirit, um, they will, uh, they get to inherit the kingdom of God. The, the meek inherit the earth. The mourning are comforted. And the hungry and thirsty for justice have their hunger and thirst satisfied. And then the last four Beatitudes shift. And they don't focus so much on circumstances or situations. They focus more on people who show up in the world in a, in a specific way. And the promise that the kingdom brings to people who show up in the world in that specific way. So today I wanna, we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 5. Our beatitude this week goes like this. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Um, the Good News Translation uh, Bible says like this. Happy are those who are merciful to others. God will be merciful to them. And then, of course, the message, and one of the things about the message is if a verse is like two words long, the message will be like 20 words long. Um, uh, you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you'll find yourselves cared for. You can tell a preacher did this translation, right? Like that turn at the end, that is, that is preaching 101. Um, and so uh, th those are some of the ways this verse gets translated. I, I, I want to stick with the, the assumption we've been making through this series that this beatitude is not an invitation. It's not saying, hey, everybody be merciful. Although, being a merciful human being is a good thing to be, right? But it's not saying, hey, if you want God's blessing in your life, do X, Y, and Z. This is an announcement of God's blessing for a group of people here called the merciful and a promise of what the kingdom in its fullness will bring to them. So I want to focus on two questions today. I want to focus on who are the merciful what does it mean to be merciful? And then the second question is, what is the promise being made to the merciful that they will receive mercy? What does that actually mean? So let's begin with mercy, merciful. I, I don't know about you. What comes to mind for you as you hear the word mercy? What is it that comes to mind? I'll tell you what it is for me, and it's, it's a product of my religious upbringing. I, I can remember being told from a very young age that mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Anybody else operating with that understanding of mercy? And it's usually tied up in some theology, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this whole idea of mer mercy is not getting what you deserve. How many of you have ever been pulled over for speeding and gotten a warning instead of a ticket? How many of you have gotten a ticket every time? God is not with you. God is not on your side, I guess is what... We're being told here today, right? Like, like some, some people just end up getting lucky. They're, they get mercy. How many of you have ever flunked an exam or an assignment in school and you got a do-over? Anybody? Okay. How, how many of you have ever been in trouble? Like you could have lost your job. You could, you, big, big trouble in some way. And somebody extended mercy to you. They didn't give you what you deserved. Anybody ever had that sort of experience? 
Um, let me tell you a little bit about that experience for me. When I was around 13 years old, I had an experience where I did a thing, um, and uh, I thought that it could be the end for me in that moment. And here's the story. We lived, when I was 13, we lived in a really old house, um, and we had some family over, and all of our family was in the kitchen and hanging out. And um, I need to tell you, this is going to make, make me look even worse in this story, and that what I did was very premeditated. Like, I thought about it. I thought about it. There, there are times when I ask my oldest will do something, and I'll be like, what, what were you thinking? And he's like, that's me at 13 in this story. I have no idea what I was thinking. I don't know why I sat down and thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go downstairs and do X, Y, I'll tell you in a minute. I'm going to go downstairs and do this, and it's going to go really, really well for me. Brain not engaged. And so uh, we had family visiting, and everybody's in the kitchen, uh, and my, my dad's in the kitchen as well. So I decide, here's what, I knew where they were, and I decided, I'm going to go downstairs. And so I did. I went downstairs, and I got into the living room downstairs, and then I got into the hallway, and then I started crawling. And I got into the kitchen, and I turned the corner, and my dad was, like, leaning against the fridge like this, talking. And I said, this is a good idea. So I get up, I sneak up behind him, and pants him in front of the entire family. <laughs> Completely pants him in front of the entire family. My grandma was there, not his mom, my mom's mom. Everybody's in the kitchen, and I'm the guy, this is good, pants him. He turned around, and he looked at me, and I knew that this would be my last day on earth. Like, solidly understood, I probably do not survive this moment. And so he says, sort of, he's red-faced, uh, and he says to me, get up to your room. And so I did. And I'm not embarrassed to tell you, I went up to my room, and like immediately I'm praying, dear God, please, I will never do this again. I'll study for all my tests. I'll do everything right. And so he's like, I'll be up there in a minute. And then I went upstairs, and he just waited he just waited to torture me. Like, he didn't come up for the longest time. And I'm not embarrassed to tell you, I was sitting in my room, 13 years old, weeping uncontrollably for the decisions I had made in my short life. Like, weeping, weeping. And so he finally starts to make the journey up the stairs. And this is an old house. And so the steps are a little creaky. And, like, talking to him about this now, all these years later, he tells me he had a really good time with this. And so he, he like... He puts his foot on the board and goes, and he says, when, I, when he did it for the first time, I went, oh, like just immediately, I'm, weep, I'm just like wailing in my bedroom. And so he does it again a couple times, like I just keep, he just builds suspense. And so it, it is the forever, it's not a long staircase, the forever walk up the stairs. And then it's sort of like in a horror movie, the doorknob turns, and I'm like, I'm in the corner of my room crying, like not just like tears of remorse, like like weeping in the corner. He opens the door and immediately begins to laugh. And I was like, oh dear God, I pushed him over the edge. He's, this is it. It's curtains. I am done for. And thankfully he was laughing because he opened the door and his 13 year old son was weeping in the corner. And he had a really good time getting me to that spot. So uh, I'll tell you this. We had a very brief conversation in which I was told, you will never pants me again, to which I agreed. And that was it. He let me off the hook, which was a pretty sweet gift. Talk about not getting 
what you deserve, especially with all the buildup. I thought, this is not going to end well for me. And he gave me a break, and he gave me a second chance, and I pantsed him again two years later. But that is a whole other, that is a whole, that is a whole other story and discussion. Uh, I, I think for many of us, when we hear the word mercy, it's, it's kind of tied up in some unhelpful theology and some unhelpful beliefs. And here's what I mean. For most of us, when we think of mercy, at least for me, not getting what you deserve, I immediately say, grew up hearing, that's how God is toward us. God doesn't give us what we deserve because we human beings are born wretched and vile. We're depraved. There's nothing good in us. We're unworthy. And we deserve the fullness of God's wrath being tortured for eternity for our sins. Anybody heard that narrative before? But here's the good news. God decided not to do that to you. God decided to do it to somebody else. So God's mercy to you was God's torture for somebody else. And, and so for many of us, our understanding of mercy has been wrapped around some anti-human and some dehumanizing theology that actually doesn't make sense when you read the Bible. Like it's just, that's not how the Bible talks about human beings. And I've become convinced that bad theology always leads to bad anthropology. What I mean by that is, if you begin with a toxic view of God, with a toxic view of uh, what it means to be human, then that will always filter out into toxic views of other humans and toxic views of yourself. When we have bad theology, toxic theology, it leads to toxic ways of seeing and understanding other human beings and ourselves. And I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. When he talks about the merciful, I don't think he's trying to give us this image of God. Because the reality is, the, the word that gets translated in mercy um, actually isn't just sort of this passive not getting what you deserve, right? Mercy, in the context of Scripture, is not this passive not getting revenge on somebody for what they've done. It's actually more along the lines of an active, engaged compassion. Um, in, in the Gospels, one of Jesus' central lines in the Gospel of Luke is, be merciful as God is merciful. But depending on the Bible translation, sometimes that's rendered, be compassionate as God is compassionate. Because in the lens of Scripture, mercy and compassion are so deeply interconnected. Mercy is not passive. It's not just sitting back and saying, I'm not going to punish you. What mercy is, is compassion. It is action. It is fully and completely engaged. And Jesus pronounces a blessing, a God's witness, and a promise for those who are engaged in enacting compassion in the world. So in, in, if that's the way this actually works, that it's not just about not getting what you deserve, but it's about this actually positive thing we're doing in the world, then we can say it like this. The merciful are those who do not just talk, but actually enact and embody compassion toward others. It, it, it is almost in style to talk about compassion in the world. But one of the problems is that so often... It just ends in talk, right? It ends with an acknowledgement that there are problems in the world, that there are things that need to be done, that there's healing that needs to be brought into the world. But then very little gets done about it. Who are the merciful? The merciful are the people who just can't sit back, the people who can't just look at the world and say, yeah, there are problems, hope somebody fixes it. The merciful are the people who jump up and say, where do we start? How do I help? Who can I love? Who can I serve? How, how can I embody this compassion in the world in a real beautiful and practical way? The merciful are also those who give themselves away to love and nurture other people. 
I bet there are many of you in this room right now and many of you watching online who this describes you to a T. You are people who continually show up in the world to give yourself away in love and nurturing of other human beings. Maybe that means that you take care of an elderly parent. Maybe that means that you uh, take care of kids. Maybe that means that you are the friend everybody comes to to fall apart. Maybe that means you're the person that complete strangers come to to fall apart. I mean, I, I know people, I remember as, as a kid, and I never understood why this would happen, but anywhere my mom went, like in a waiting room or something like that, people would just tell her their life story. And not only that, like literally, she would come out of a doctor's visit knowing what somebody paid on their house payment. I am not sure, like if she wanted to get into identity theft, she had, like, the, what is your social number now? Like, she what's your, what's your routing? What's that? Like, she totally could have done that. But there are people who, like, you just sort of are a, maybe even for strangers, people just, oh, there's something about the way you show up in the world that people just feel safe with you, and they feel like you're the kind of person in the kind of place where you can just be honest and open and that it's a vault or that, that they won't be judged and they'll be embraced by you. I, I'm a word nerd, as many of you know, and I, I, I think it's really interesting how words work. The Greek word for mercy here in Matthew is the word elos, but uh, Jesus very likely, most likely, did not speak Greek. Jesus would have spoken Aramaic, maybe had a, some knowledge of Hebrew. But there's a cognate word in Hebrew that often is used in, in place of this word mercy, uh, the Greek word mercy in, in Hebrew writings. And it's this word rachum. And rachum actually in its singular form means womb. It means womb. A place of nourishment and safety and protection. So you could actually translate it like this. Blessed are the womb-like. Blessed are the safe places. Blessed are the people who show up and open their arms wide to embrace those around them and to provide a place of nourishment and love and healing. Have you ever known somebody who had that, just that energy about them? I, I, I know some of you in this room, you are that person that when you give somebody a hug, it feels like you're hugging away in so many years of maybe being left out, isolated, forgotten. That you see people in a way that most everybody doesn't just see people. That you're, you're not, you don't just show up and try to fix. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I am a fixer. My initial impulse when somebody's having a bad day is to just tell them how to fix it. Right? Oh, you're having a bad day? Do X, Y, Z. Boom. Bad day over. And the reality is what some people actually are longing for is just to be seen, not to be solved. They are longing for somebody to come alongside them and acknowledge their tears, to acknowledge their suffering, and to give them a place to fall apart about it if they need to. They're looking for somebody to say, you're not alone in this. I'll hold this space for you. I'll hold this space with you. I will give you out of my energy, I'll give you out of my love, I'll give you my compassion, I'll give you mercy. And some of you in this room, some of you watching right now on YouTube, some of you are people who show up, and this is not like a, a random, this is something you do every day, all the time. You are continually pouring yourself out in love, compassion, generosity, mercy for everybody you meet. The merciful are also the empaths who feel all the feelings. I, I know we have some empaths in this room. 
And it, if, you don't, if you don't know what an empath is, an empath, like the way you think about it, is an empath is a person who essentially they are like a sponge and they soak up all the feelings of everybody around them, everybody they meet, stranger, friend, whatever. They have this sense of they, they, they don't just um, put it like this. They don't just feel for people. They feel with people. An empath is literally somebody who feels the pain of the world and the joy. Right? An empath is a person who feels all of the things. That's actually what the word compassion means, by the way. Compassion literally in Latin is come passion. It means suffer with. The empaths are the merciful who feel everything around them. They feel the good. They feel the joy. They feel the celebration. They feel all of it. And they also feel the pain, the loss, the tears, the suffering. They hold all of those feelings at one time. And to them, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the womb-like. Blessed are those who bring their arms and wrap it around all of the joy and all of the pain that the world feels. Blessed are those who are the safe place where people can go and fall apart. Blessed are those who are full and overflowing of compassion for the people they come in contact with, friend and stranger. I want to tell you a story and show you a picture, but before we do that, I want to give you just a brief content warning. Um, this story, while it has a, a good ending, a positive ending, this story does deal is a story um, about a, a suicide attempt and self-harm. And so I want to just pause for a second before we go further. And if you need to close your eyes, so if you need to plug your ears, if there's a thing you need to do, I want to make sure we give you space um, to do that before we jump in. So I ran across this story in 2017. Um, it happened in April of 2017 happened in North London, England. Um, and the picture you see is uh, a picture. There was a man on this bridge who some people, all of the people that are part of this story were strangers. None of them knew each other. None of them had ever met. Um, and there's this man who you see on the outside of this bridge was going to jump. And these strangers on this bridge noticed this man. And they noticed that he was in distress, and they noticed he was going to jump. And so these complete and total strangers went over to this man and embraced him. And they held him. Some people brought some ropes and those sorts of things, and they tied themselves to him. And they held him. And they held him. And they didn't hold him for five minutes. They didn't hold him for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. They didn't hold him for 30 minutes. They didn't even hold him for an hour. They stood there on that bridge with this man in their arms for two hours while they waited on emergency services to come, and they brought a fire truck with a boom, and they got the man down, and they took him uh, to, to get care. And for two hours, a group of complete strangers stood on this bridge with their arms around this other human being who they did not know. But what I'm finding more and more to be true is that when I look into the eyes of a human being I don't know, I know far more about them because they're human. And they stand there in solidarity and in compassion and they hold him and they refuse to let him go. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the womb-like. Blessed are the compassionate. Blessed are those who feel the feelings of the world. Blessed are those who carry the suffering and the pain of complete strangers. Blessed are those whose friends know they can totally fall apart on your 
watch and that it's safe to do that, that you're not going to just sit there and try to solve them, but you're going to embrace them as a fellow human being and let them know that they aren't alone, that they're not navigating it alone, that you see them and that you are with them right in the middle of this moment. Blessed are the merciful. And because the merciful are those who enact compassion, and because the merciful are those who give themselves away in love uh, and, and, and generosity to others, and because the merciful are often the empaths who feel all the feelings, that means that the merciful are also those who can be taken advantage of, and they're those who are tired and those who feel spent physically and emotionally. I, I, I bet there are some of you in this room that you spend so much of your time and energy, and it's not like it's your full-time job, right? It's just the way you show up in the world, that you take on so much from so many other people, and you return to them as they give you their heaviness. You return to them a lightness. You return to them presence. You return to them belonging. You, you listen to their stories, and in hearing their stories, you feel the pain they feel, and yet you somehow muster the energy to provide a space for them to be and to belong, and you see them. And I bet some of you are just tired. You're, you're caring for an elderly parent, and you're also living your life and doing your thing, and you're exhausted. You're taking care of your kids, and you're loving them, and you're giving them beauty and goodness, and you're exhausted. Your friends know you can, they can call you in the middle of the night, and they do. And you just turn on, and you're there, and you're exhausted. See, maybe this is why the merciful are included in the Beatitudes, because being merciful comes with a cost. It comes with a lot of good things, right? It comes with a lot of beauty. It comes with a lot of joy. It comes with a lot of hope as you get to experience people on their best days. And you feel it with them, and it's so beautiful. And yet, being merciful, being compassionate, being showing up this way in the world, it actually can bring with it the opportunity for betrayal. It can bring with it Lots of heartbreak. And actually, some of you in this room, you are so busy feeling the heartbreak of others that you don't even have time to tend to your own heartbreak. You, you don't have time to pause and just acknowledge that you're in pain too because you're so busy navigating the pain of other people. You're so busy feeling for, with other people that often yours goes undealt with, unchecked, unacknowledged. And to those of you who show up for us in the world in the way you do, you are womb-like people who provide us with safety and protection. Jesus announces God's presence, God's witness. And then Jesus offers a promise that when the kingdom comes in all of its fullness, on earth as it is in heaven. And by the way, we keep say, I'm going to keep saying this. When will the kingdom come in all of its fullness on earth as it is in heaven? The kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven in all of its beauty and fullness when we choose it. Jesus actually says to the religious leaders in the Gospel of Luke, You're, don't, don't let people say to you, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is there, the kingdom is there. The kingdom is within you. The kingdom of God isn't outside of us. Did anybody else watch the movie uh, Independence Day last Sunday? 
You know, like the alien spaceship just hovers over? That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is within you. It is within me. It is within us. It is not outside of us. It is not beyond their capability. It is not somewhere else we have to stumble onto it and find it. The kingdom is here. And when we choose to live as if it were already true, when we choose to embody it in the world, then that reality comes on earth. And the promise to the merciful in that moment, as the kingdom unfolds in all of its beauty, is that they will be the recipients of the mercy. Because let's just be honest. Right now, the merciful aren't often the recipients of mercy. The people who carry other people aren't often carried. The, the listening ears aren't often listened to. Those who break themselves open and pour themselves out in love and compassion for others often aren't met with the same generosity, the same openness, the same safeness, the same womb-like experience. And the promise is that in the kingdom, to quote uh, a little bit of Eugene Peterson's message, that those who are caregivers are cared for. Those who spend their life and their energy loving and serving and pouring themselves out for other people, those people are seen. Those people are heard. Those people are given a space to fall apart. Those people are given space to be honest about what they're going through, about their heartbreaks, about their struggles. Those who continually pour themselves in compassion for the world are then the recipients of compassion. Because in the kingdom, in this reality, we all live in interdependence and kindness toward one another. That's the kingdom reality. That when we are fully attuned to the way the world could be, nobody slips through the cracks, nobody gets left out, nobody gets forgotten, nobody gets sort of just left behind in relational carnage. Everybody is seen, heard, loved, and embraced. And so if you've heard one of these Beatitudes sermons at the end, you've heard probably most of them, um, because they all end sort of with the same question, how, how does that happen? How, do we, how does that blessing come to the merciful? And it happens like this. We become the blessing. If we do not find ourselves in that category of, of beatitude, if we are not the merciful, if we are not the people continually pouring ourselves out in, in, in compassion and generosity and kindness and love, if we are not those womb-like people who are providing safety and healing and just belonging to others, then it is our calling to become just that for the people who are doing it. Our calling as a community is to be a place where people come in from a week of exhaustion being the merciful in the world. And there's so much, there's so much in the world for the merciful to do, aren't, aren't, isn't there? There is so much around us for the merciful to do. They come in after a week of exhaustion, of giving themselves away, very likely never complaining about it, but they come in exhausted. Our calling as a community is to be a, a womb-like space where they can be recharged and poured back into just a little bit. So here's what I want to say to those of you in the room who you are the merciful. And when I talk about exhaustion, you're, you, right now in your brain, you're, going, you're telling me. Right? Here's what I want to say to you. We see you. We see you. We see the work you do. We see the love you give. We see the generosity, the lavish generosity you display with every person you meet. 
we see you taking care of that elderly parent. We see you managing very likely full-time work and full-time family. We see you pouring yourselves out. And over the course of this last year, we've been in a global pandemic. And there, lots of us were able to work from home, but first responders weren't. Healthcare workers weren't. Some of you kept grocery stores and pharmacies open so people, so we could get the things we needed to keep things going. And over the last year, after the last 16, 17 months, you have continually been showing up and putting yourself on the line to benefit and care for people that are complete strangers to you. And you very likely haven't complained very much, and you very likely haven't been told thank you. We see you. And I want you to know this. The work you do in the world is holy. Caring for your elderly parent is holy. Caring for those children, holy. Being a safe, womb-like space for your friend, holy. Being a safe place for a stranger to just confide, sacred. You are an embodied sacrament to the world. What is a sacrament? It's a, it's a thin place. It's a place where heaven and earth meet. It's a place, it's a place where the holy is evident. And in your life, what, here's what you do for so many of us, is you remind us that the ground has always been holy, that God has always been present. And the way you show up in the world, in compassion, in goodness, in mercy, is a holy, holy sacred, beautiful gift to the world and everyone around you. And I just want you to know, we see you. And if you need a place to fall apart, if you need somebody just to be that womb-like space to hug you and let you know that you're not alone, please do not walk out of here today. Because we want to provide that space. If you just need to go, I, I ain't got time to talk about it. I just, need, I, just need, I just need a hug. I just need to be seen. I just need to tell somebody I am exhausted. And when you say it like that, it's real. And I also want to say this. We're here. And, and I, I'm slowly coming to terms with the fact that my calling in the world is not to solve things as much as it is to be present. That Often when people come to me and they're looking for pastoral wisdom, what they're actually not looking for is pastoral wisdom. They're just looking for a place where they can be honest and vulnerable and embraced. And so we see you and we're here for you. One of the things I, I learned as a pastor um, is that you really, you're, you're with people on the best days, which is the best, and you're with people on the worst days, which is really hard, and all that adds up. And as a human being, there is no healthy way to shut that off and just be okay. When you're walking through really heavy things with people, it adds up and it clings to you, and it's just now something else you process on top of all the other things you process. And somebody gave me some really important words uh, when I was younger in ministry. They said to me, um, and they use the image of the, the, the Eucharist, of communion, what we did earlier, right? Which is you take bread and you break it, and you take wine and you pour it. Or in our case, you open this little cup full of a cracker and grape juice. But the image still is very powerful. Bread broken, blood poured. Right? Body broken, blood poured out in compassion and service to others. And they said to me, you can't be continually broken open and poured out. You will, run, you will hit empty. If you're going to be broken open and poured out for others, 
there must be regular moments of being put back together and poured back into. And so none of you in this room need my permission for anything. But just in case it's helpful to hear it. It is okay to sometimes say no. It is okay to let the other merciful person down the street take this one. It is okay to have boundaries. It is okay to practice Sabbath. It is okay to feel what you feel, not just what other people feel. It is okay to be present to what you need, not just what other people need. It is okay to acknowledge that the work you do in the world is heavy, sometimes really, really difficult and painful work. And it's sacred, and it's holy, and it's beautiful, and at the same time, it's heavy, and it takes something out of you. And it's okay to say, I, I need to take five. I need that kingdom promise that the merciful will be shown mercy. I need somebody to embrace me. I need to fall apart. I need a place to be seen and heard. I need a place of safety where I can begin to process and heal from what I'm carrying around. It is a beautiful, sacred thing to be broken open and poured out for other people. It is also a beautiful, sacred, and holy thing to be put back together and poured back into. Are you with me? And my hope and prayer and my sense of what our community could be is that we, we are, want to be that place, a place where those of you who are out doing the work of the beautiful healing work of mercy in the world come in and find that even those of you who have been out giving mercy can also come here to receive it. And you can be seen and you can be known. Let's pray. God, our prayer and our hope is to be that kind of community. A community where the merciful receive mercy. A community where those who are continually and regularly and generously breaking themselves open and pouring themselves out in, into the world for others can be mended and poured into. A community that is a womb-like space allow time to be seen, heard, time to heal, time to process. And so for those in this room and those online who today see themselves in this beatitude, may they know that their work is holy, that it is sacred, that it is beautiful, that they are part of what heals the world. May they know that God is with them. God is on their side. And may they know that they have a community alongside them who longs to embody this promise, that they too shall receive mercy. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said,